Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello there everyone, Michael Lester here, and you're welcome once again to The Game on Sunday, the podcast. Once again, we are joined by Pat Spillane and Tomas Mulcahy. Lads, great to have you with us, and we're also joined for this first uh, part of the podcast, and I'm delighted she's been able to join us, by Rena Buckley, multiple All-Ireland winner with Cork, and of course, Cork captain, winning captain in the past with their footballers, and of course, with our Camogie players. Rita, lovely to have you with us. And uh, hope you're feeling well down there on Cork. Thanks very much, Michael. Delighted to join you. All right, good on you. Listen, we'll, we'll talk to you in just two seconds. But uh, first of all, Pat, I suppose we should reflect on the football that we saw last weekend. And finally, for me anyway, we're beginning to rub our hands and we're beginning to see like real, real competitive stuff. Absolutely, Michael. I mean, uh, you know, the GA came in for a lot of criticism about, uh, you know, having so many matches to eliminate one one team out of each group of four in Sam Maguire. But to be perfectly honest, I, I think that decision, that format was, was vindicated last weekend. Like I said last week on the podcast, there was only one team not, not in contention out of the 16, and that was Clare. But the matches we had on Sunday in particular were absolutely... Uh, unbelievable. So much drama, so much excitement. Uh, first of all, you had two unbelievable performances of football at its very best by Dublin and Kerry. But it was the other big games on Sunday that were really, I mean, Armagh and Galway, Armagh winning by a pint, you know, Hildare surprising Russ Common by a pint, Westmeath drawing with Tyrone and Cork shocking Mayor. And what was even made it even more dramatic was the fact that in, 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 in four of those games, there was one kick was going to determine whether your county was in the competition, out of the competition, or determining where they would come in the league. So you had Kevin Feely's last-minute score from a mark, which got Kildare into second place and a home quarterfinal. You had Shane Walsh's missed, missed free to equalise against Armagh. 
Uh, the big one, of course, for John Heslin missing a free against uh, against Tyrone, which if John Heslin had put over that pint from a free, Westmead would be still in the quarterfinals and Tyrone would be out. And then finally you had Mayo, who you know were everyone's favourites for the All-Ireland just a couple of weeks ago. And Aidan O'Shea had a chance to equalise that would have put them uh, with uh, to put to put him in the quarterfinals, and he missed that free. So huge drama. It was really, it was really, really exciting. Some of the football on display was absolutely brilliant. So Michael, very enjoyable weekend in Gaelic football, and there are four bumper weekends ahead, starting with this weekend. I suppose, Tomas, that's that's what you want in Gaelic games. You know, we we might have been whinging a small bit earlier in the year. Uh, you know about. You know, are these games relevant and all the rest of it? But I, I suppose this this is true of sport across the board. You know, it takes a while for things to warm up, and then all of a sudden they kind of they kick into life. Yeah, look, Michael, um, I I watched the Mayo game. I must say, I really enjoyed it. Um, first half, I was wondering where was the, all this going? Six points to five, very defensive on both sides, particularly Cork. But it opened up in the second half, and I, I was look. It's brought a big boost to Cork football, to be honest with you, because um, getting a victory like that is is something they needed. They pushed Kerry very, very close. But um, I don't know, Michael. There's something. It's it's it's. Look, we've discussed this over the last couple of weeks, and maybe we will we will discuss it for when the end of the season comes because of all these new concepts and the process and the strategy that's there. But like you take for your own county, it's is, is winning a kind of title much anymore when you come back and you see the drawn out that has to go and play Mayo. <laughs> Right, you know, and I don't know what Pat, your 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 thoughts on that, right? Yeah, some very good close games. You still have the Northern teams playing against each other, and you're saying to yourself, um, uh, you know, you pay a heavy price for maybe winning your 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 kind of title, and now you find yourself in in a massive massive game next weekend when it could be all over for you if you were to lose against Mayo above in 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 in, uh, in Galway, you know. So, um. Very positive. You have to you have to say positive in terms of we you are getting to the the business end of the season in terms of the football side of it. And look, from a hurling perspective, Michael, again, that's something we need to discuss. If look, Carlo pushed Dublin fairly close, um, but Dublin ran out seven seven points winners in the end. Tip versus Offaly was a bit of a disaster, to be honest with you. A disaster in a couple of months because I, I remember hearing about a thunder and, line, uh, thunder and lightning final back in 1939 between Cork and Kilkenny. Ten minutes to go on this match, even my Diego went blank completely because the rain seen me and the, and, and, and the lightning that hit that venue over the weekend was was, was something else as well. And uh, I think the tip, uh, tip has scored five goals by the time um, the TV went off, and when it came back, it was seven thirty-eight. So it was it was a bit of a, a damp strip in in many ways. And again, you kind of look at this and you say to yourself, and Michael Les, uh, Michael Dignan pointed this out even prior to the match. You know, for the both competing teams in terms of Carlo and for Offaly, maybe get to a Joe McDonough Cup final. You take your you take your win or you take your loss, and there should be no in the All Ireland series after that. Because is is it fair to be honest with you to say? That they were still hurling up the last weekend, and you see what has happened in Munster and teams losing by a pint, and and they're gone, you know. So that's that's for another day. But look, we've we some weekend coming forward. Well, there's no doubt about that, and obviously we're going to be talking about that uh, further down the line here in this chat. But I mentioned to you there earlier on that we have Rena Buckley joining us, and uh, Rena, good to talk to you. As I said earlier, uh, but really 
Rina, the reason that we're talking to you is is not about celebratory things in women's football and camogie, but issues during the week and earlier in the week, we had this stance by representation from counties all over the country meeting in Dublin to say, listen, we're only going to play these games under protest for the rest of the season because of issues about how they feel in both codes that they are being not properly looked after, if you like. And and I've heard the expression from several of the people representing that we're second-class citizens. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a complicated question and there's probably not the a straightforward answer to it. Um, I suppose if you look at, at female sport and female Gaelic games, you know, over the last number of years, there's certainly been, there's been progress. Like, yeah. there's more participation among females, definitely. I, I, I look here in my own club in Inascara, like we put out three, three adult camogie teams, the G8 team here in Inascara put out three adult hurling teams. So participation is definitely on the up. There's more support for teams in terms of expertise in, in inter-county setups compared to, you know, five and ten years ago, you know, S&C is better or sports psychology, all that nutrition, all that kind of stuff is better. There's government funding in place for players. Um, pitch access has has improved. You know, you see females are, are playing in Crow Park more often now than, than previously. Previously, it was just All-Ireland final, but league finals are being played there. Semi-finals are being played there. I see here in Cork and Park Equive, it's being used for for the Cork home games in for both women and men, which is fantastic to see. Media coverage has increased, you know, and, you know, there's definitely role models there for, for young people. So I suppose the question is, are we happy with better? Or sure. do we want to give females equal opportunity to males? Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, the question. And then a follow-on question for that would be, I mean, so like when I, when I look at the, the I, I was doing a little bit of research for this last night and I was looking at the, the squad charter that's in place for, for GA players. So for for male Gaelic games players, so hurlers and footballers. So what, what they w- would receive is is, is travel, expen- travel expenditure or, or, or mileage of 70 cents per mile. They have nutritional allowance of 20 euro a week, meals post games and training, strength and conditioning and gym access physio and medical support, training gear, match kit, leisure wear, Harley's helmets, footwear, footwear. There's nutritional support and complimentary tickets for league and championship matches. And then based on the report that the the GPA produced uh, in 2022 called State of Play, when they looked at the female side of Gaelic games, so 36% did not have full access to physio, 36% did not have full access to strength and conditioning. 53% did not have full access to gym. 70, this one I found the most interesting. 71% did not have full access to pitches. 79% did not have full access to a team doctor. 49% did not have full access to nutritionist. And 49% did not have sport, full access to a sports psychologist. So like the difference between the senior intercounty male the senior intercontinental is vast so there has been huge progress made but there is still a large gap there and i suppose a question that that would you know obviously we wanted to close that gap and i presume people in theory definitely want to close that gap um 
But I suppose when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, I suppose that's proven to be a little bit more difficult. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Do you think, even even within uh, women's Gaelic games, that there's there's a little bit of of disparity, Rina, even within that between the camogie and the football, because we've we've seen during the week some of the comments uh, expressing disappointment that one side maybe isn't engaging with the same degree as the other and having like mini pops at each other, if you know what I mean. Um, so how how do you feel on that score? Yeah, and that that's a very fair point and. Like, uh, obviously, I, I would be a member of the LGFA and I'm also a member of the Quogue Association. And, you know, I'm, I'm not on my own in that. Like, obviously, I would have played to high level. But, you know, across the country, there there's females playing both football and camogie. And there is no doubt about it that football and camogie are culturally, culturally linked. Um, and, and people up and down the country, same people are playing playing both games. And then it's hugely disappointing to say that the two associations that manage those two games at times probably, you know, aren't working together and at times it seems that they're almost working against each other and that's yeah. really disappointing particularly for people on the ground because it's the same people involved in, in both codes and even just an example there was games on last weekend there's games on again in two weeks time um, and we've dual players here in Cork and you know, there's you know the management teams of of the of the Camogie ladies football teams are are happy to facilitate you know them playing both games, but it appears the associations are not. And you know, is is very disappointing. And um, I suppose then you're looking to go a step further and integrate the the three sporting organisations. But I'm, I mean, when the when the women aren't pulling together, it's it's yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. Sure it is. Yeah, Tomas, you want to say? Yeah, just Rena, it's something there. Look, I mean, I, I I've listened to your stats and and fantastic, and um, that was just something I wanted to ask in terms of the overall body of the GA are probably sitting back in this and saying to themselves, like, how can we sort it if there is a bit of a, a love jam between the football and camogie? And I was just reading up on it at the weekend, and and you mentioned the dual player status. I mean. To have somebody travel from Cork in the afternoon to go uh, and play another game that evening, I mean that's that that has to irate players. And you know, and in all the 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 participation is huge. Ladies football is is grown and grown, and Camogie's grown all over all over the country as well. But there there is something internal uh, in terms of the both bodies between the football and Camogie. Why aren't they actually 
why why is there a fixture on the same day if you know what i mean and you know and why why can't that be why can't that be sorted yeah and and it's a fair question it's one what i'd be asking as well and kind of scratching my head with because I mean, it's not like the girls are asking for, you know, seven days between games or anything like that. They're just asking for a game to be put on the following day when, when there's yes. no order for, you know, taking place that day. Um, so, I mean, it's 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 very disappointing and it's mind-boggling. You know, I mean, the, associ- the two associations are, are sharing the same players up and down the country. The same families are involved. Same yes. as in, in the age. Yes. Um, how, how, how we're not kind of giving those players... A little bit more respect and yep. you know, facilitating that, I, I think hard to 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 understand. And but is it not is it not a case, Rena, just to look at the other side of it? That as as we all know, women's sport is growing and growing, and we've seen that especially in rugby over the last couple of years, soccer as well, and and the GEA also is in the same situation. So in in a growing scenario like that, that, that women's GEA is, are there not going to be teething problems? Is that not really what it comes down to and in other words kind of is the glass half full or is it half empty yeah I suppose in terms of teething problems I mean the Clover Association is over is it 120 years old possibly um, yeah. ladies football wouldn't be wouldn't be as old but um, yeah I mean I mean look participation in female sports is, de- is definitely increasing but um, I, I, I but, but Rina, Rina can, I, can I ask is is it is, Look from the outside in, is it like one one association trying to get the better over each other? I mean, like, surely be to God, on a given day, in the modern world that we're in, fixing two matches on a given day and somebody having to travel nearly half the country to take part in the second game, that there has to be a conversation there to say, um, yeah, we can fix one on a Friday, we can fix one on a Saturday, or one Saturday and one on a Sunday. And you're right, like, all the dual player status, is are they trying to end that in terms of that it won't allow player to, to play the Camogia, play the ladies' football? Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the motivation is, to be honest. Um, and, like, you know, I, I would have played both for, for a number of years, and, like, it, it was difficult, and I would say it is getting more difficult to be a dual player. I mean, the structure of the championship has changed, so in ladies' football, it's it's a round-robin for the provincial championship, and then you go on to a group section, like like the way the men have a group section No before you go into a quarter-final stage. So, I mean, the, the number of games has increased. Um, Camogie, you know, their structure is probably still the same. But the difference as well is that the split season is now um, being enforced yeah. as well. So the, the period of time is is shorter to play on all the games. Yes. So there's, but, but the dual player is, is becoming a much more difficult role. But I suppose in a scenario where you have players willing to do it, you've um, management teams willing to facilitate it, I just can't understand why the associations won't facilitate it. You know, on a Saturday, on a Sunday, when when there's no other fixtures there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can I just can I ju- can I just add my two on that? Because there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, and it has to be welcomed. The increase in participation by women in sport, the profile that's now being given to women's sport, absolutely brilliant. Uh, but as you said, Michael, and uh, probably Rena alluded to it, there. Are, there it's 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 progressing so fast, but the structures aren't in place. And I mean, first of all, remember, 
it's not part of the GA, the the, the, the ladies football yeah. and the camogie. That's that, that's a major issue. So until such time as the three bodies get together as one, you're going to have all these problems of of differences in payment, of lack of of facilities being available. Uh, I think at the moment what I can see is one of the biggest problems in the integration of the three organisations is that people don't like losing power. You know, there is that power, and and I can see there is an element of of a power struggle uh, involving in involving the the camogie and uh, uh, and and the ladies football. But you know, I looked at this. I, I mean, it's just in optics to see twenty four of the finest camogie and lady football players walking into a hotel room. In, in, uh, in, in Dublin yesterday was it's, it's bad for the GA and I look at the stories players having to purchase county gear in local sports shops teammates having to share shots starts due to a lack of playing gear college going students considering not going to training for inter-county because they can't afford to travel I mean this, the stories are endless so all you all those girls that are looking for is equality and respect and fair play and no one no one man or woman should be out of pocket for for representing their county so what needs to be they need to knock heads together they need to be a bit of common sense they need to get around the table and to talk but at the moment it's the optics it's bad publicity for the camogie it's bad publicity for the ladies football and when you see a girl like like Libby Coppinger having to play with her county in camogie and ladies football on the same day ah holy god there's something wrong there on a, lighter, on, a lighter, on, on a lighter note, Michael, just before Arena yeah. goes, uh, I was explaining to Pat this morning about Rena in terms of 18 Ireland medals over a certain period of time, but uh, I should have known. He had an answer. Go on, Pat. Tell us about your nine-year-old team. Well, well, you know, it's funny, actually, that, that Rena's answer, because I had a long discussion with a group of Boston Stack supporters last night, and they were over playing our local ladies' football team uh, in Verschkane, Gales, in a, in a Kerry County League game. But two things, we were talking about ladies' football, and I said, one of the greatest sports teams in the history of sport in Ireland, and, and a team that never got the credit because ladies' football was in its infancy, was the Kerry All-Ireland winning nine in a row ladies' football team. They were absolutely brilliant. And and Rena, I know, was superb, but I will argue to the day, till to, to the cows come home, the greatest lady football player I ever had the privilege of watching was Mary Jo Corton of Kerry. She was just something else altogether. And you know, Jeez, in that Mary I, I, and said Jordan. Re- and by Rina, the way, and oh by the God. way, sorry, could you by the way, listening listen to that. How can you listen to that, Rena? <laughs> she's agreeing with she stayed involved with Kerry Ladies, in fairness, sir. She's a la- she's a great lady, and you know, last night as a useless statistic, uh, like I said, Austin Stacks were playing Kinmare, and for the Austin Stacks team, there was a mother and daughter playing Marina Barry, one of the great. Kerry Lady footballer playing with her daughter and the Austin Stack supporters told me last night Marina who's a brilliant player still is playing and she wants to play with Austin Sacks until she's at least 60 years of age isn't that brilliant I think that's a lovely story Europe Pat anybody can play one game Rina you are the star of my eyes uh, jewel star absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic and great having you on the show all right listen guys just the last comment there on the on I suppose the ongoings of, of, of the week of the uh, during the week, you know, I suppose, like, I, I think that's a very important point to get across is like the playing members do want integration. Integration won't sort everything. You know, there's integrate like females and males are playing together in, in soccer and rugby, and there's been issues there over the years. So integration won't sort everything. But I suppose if we do want a level of equality, you know, we're going to have to fund this equality as well. And it's probably through sharing 
facilities, sharing expertise yes. and, you know, like basically sharing our games among all of the people who play our games. That's probably massive in terms of, you know, gaining that that equity and that equality. And I think the players, the stance that they made, that's what players are looking for. You know, players want to, to play at the highest standard. They want to they want to be high performing. And like we do want to offer a young boy and a young girl equal opportunities yes. in their journey in Gaelic games. And it is a pity that people had to, to come out and make this statement that they're yeah. playing championship under protest. But the bottom line is there needs to be change. I know yes. Mary Memphis is head of the steering group in, term, in integration, and I'm sure she'll do a great job. But it needs to become a priority for all three organisations and it needs to be sped up. And I think that's what the GPA are looking to do. It is. And uh, just to wrap up on all this, guys, because we need to take a little break here on the podcast. One uh, one of my favourite, Rena David Bowie songs is a song. It's a song called I Demand a Better Future. And I think that could be the theme for this entire situation. Look, we, we hope for better things to come in women's camogie and in women's football. Rena, thank you so much for joining us. We really enjoyed your your contribution to our, our podcast this week and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Look, at I, I want to take a break here, lads. Um, okay. We'll be back with part two of the podcast very, very shortly. Uh, just to remind you that if you want to stay with us here on the podcast, uh, there is a join-up fee that's €4 Euro a month. You can get the details on the Game on Sunday podcast, gameonsunday.com. And you can hear more if you wish to join up. We take a break talking about big games coming up in football and hurling after that. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello again, Michael Lester here. You're welcome back to The Game on Sunday podcast. In this part of this week's podcast, we're going to look forward, look forward to next weekend and more hectic action in both football and in hurling. We'll talk hurling in just a little while. Let's talk Pat Spillane, uh football first, because four big preliminary quarterfinals coming up. And, uh, well, it's going to be hectic. I think that's that's fairly obvious. Yeah, well, what I mean, just getting back to, you know, we have a new format this year. We have the round robin. And... The one thing about it with a new format is that it does affect the way teams prepare and their form and peaking and whatever like that. But And like I said, I mean, it's been so unpredictable, some of the results in the championship, particularly last weekend. But what you're seeing now, very evident, is that teams with a format like that, with round robin, no different than the World Cup or no different than Nations Cup, that it's all about timing. And there's no doubt about it. In particular, the top teams, and I look at particular at Kerry and Dublin last week, and I saw two teams that are timing their runs to perfection, that they're getting it, uh, they're getting better and better as the rounds get 
good progress. And you look at, I mean, you look at the World Cup and you look at uh, Argentina. Argentina won the World Cup, yet they lost the opening round match against Saudi Arabia. You look at, at Munster, who after the URC had finished, they, they were fifth out of 18 teams uh, and Munster won the competition. So it's about timing. So what I saw last week, Michael, just to get over and done with, uh, I saw the two best teams in the country hitting top forum, uh, both Kerry and Dublin. Uh, and what I liked about them was the ruthlessness. There was no shadow boxing. Once they got an opening, they were ruthless and going for the scores. It was absolutely brilliant. And can I also just, bef- while we to finish with last week, uh, talk about Monin and Donegal. And it was one of those games that there wouldn't be many watching it because, you know, when the two teams were picked, uh, there was two late changes. Uh, Kieran Hughes had come in from Monin. Orton Doherty had come in from for Donegal. That was two sweepers in place of two forwards. You knew they were going to park the bus. And, and both teams did park the bus. And you sort of said, uh, when they lost possession, there was 15 behind the ball in their own team. And you said, oh, this is another long evening of modern-day Gaelic football. And guess what? The first half of that game was as enjoyable a game of Gaelic football as, as as I've seen this year. It was attacking football with the team in possession. Their attacking play was absolutely magnificent. There was 22 points scored in the first half. 18 of them from play, most of them long range, brilliant points, and there was 12 different scorers. So, you know, sometimes, and, and we're critical of Gaelic football, and rightly so, but sometimes when teams adopt a positive attitude and when teams go play front foot football, and when teams think about ways of getting through the blanket, it can be done. So, uh, kudos to, to Kerry and Dublin, who are really in pole position at, at the moment. And, of course, then you're talking about the qualifiers, Michael, and I mean... Mike, uh, Pat, can I just... Uh, can, can I, yes. Uh, Pat, can I just come in there on time yeah. before you go on to qualifiers and just look, it's something that's kind of the talking discussion all week in terms of your provincial champions... Uh, and and the new formless as against the hurling, you know, you win your provincial title and you go to semi final. For the provincial winners, is 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 there no real bonus for them to winning the a monster championship or a Leinster championship or uh, in terms of um, where they're at at the moment? I mean, I'm I'm looking at Galway and I'm saying to myself, I mean, if, I know it's it's their fault that probably they didn't beat Armagh, but like winning a very tough kind of championship, I now find that you. Will be gone next weekend very very quickly you know i don't know is, th- is there something there or something needs to be looked at uh well i i i would disagree with you first of all they didn't win a very tough college championship because uh they won easily against sligo in the final and they won handy enough against roscommon in the semi-final so it wasn't exactly very taxing but like i i think the, like the reward for winning the provincial championship was being seeded first in in, in each group and and like with yeah. all due respects you look at the four teams who have who have a week off the four mm. teams who have a week off and are straight in to the quarterfinals mm. three of the four of the provincial winners Kerry, Kerry, Dublin, and Derry, and the fourth team is the is the runner up in, in Ulster Armagh. So I I, I think, uh, like I said, uh, don't know the cream has come to top. The provincial champion will are on there, and Galway. Look, yeah, Galway and Mayo have been were huge disappointments last week. I will temper that with the fact that Galway, and I've said this all along. I mean, Galway yeah. up to last Sunday 
were the only team in the championship with a hundred percent record. And 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 I look at their stats in championship football defensively, absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think it's five championship games played, and I think no goal conceded. And and they've brought on new players this year. They've impacts up. But I keep saying the same thing over and over again. I said it about Derry last year, dependent on Shane McGuigan and probably not having enough top quality forwards. I think Galway will fall short again this year. Why will they fall short? It will be in the forward department. Shane Walsh is inconsistent and not hitting the heights of last year. It looks like Damien Comer, who is the wrecking ball in that attack, it looks like he's out injured. And the rest of the forwards, good forwards, but not consistently scoring forwards. And I looked at, they've played three championship games, Galway, uh, scored one goal, and that goal was scored by Sean Kelly, the fullback. So, you know, I'm not too sure whether, uh, like, look, as a betting man, you you wouldn't put a penny on Galway and Mayo Lex because both are coming in with poor farm. <laughs> I, I, just... I have, I have, I have. Uh, yeah, look, yeah, I can, I can sense, I can sense. Yeah, carry for the All Ireland. Yeah, I can sense. No, it's uh, at the moment. At the moment, Tomas. I wasn't not too sensitive last week, like, but anyway, and no, it was only loud. It was only loud. It was only loud last weekend as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, but but right, and I mean, this is the thing you forget about. It's only loud, right? So what about only loud? Uh, loud were. Third in Division 2. That means they were the 11th best team in the country. 11th best team. Lout were unlucky against Cork and beaten by a pint by Mayo. And yet Kerry last weekend hammered them by 28 pints putting on an exhibition. Now Dublin were the same. Dublin were brilliant. But, but and, like, and, Mayo, and Mayo beat Kerry and Cork beat Mayo and Cork yeah. just narrowly lost out to Kerry. So, oh, Do you know, like, like you can, one of the things, and we, we talked about this issue earlier on about timing, you know, uh, and... You're not, you know, now I'm beginning to wonder, okay, about timing. Mayo had a new manager, Kevin McStay, a brilliant manager. But but I the, the word seemed is that they trained fierce hard for the league. They went yeah. well out for the league and they won the league and they were brilliant in the league and well-deserved. And then I've noticed, I've noticed over the last two weeks, the last two matches, that there is a bit of sign of tiredness. I saw it against Louch. Okay, there are three things with, 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 with Mayo. One of the one of the problems with Mayo is they lack consistency. Never have bring that's number one. Number two, and it's the age old problem, they, they struggle with blanket defenses. They struggled against Louts blanket defense. They struggled against Cox's excellent defensive structure last week. But I looked at I thought against Louts they had he, they were heavy legged towards the end. They were hanging on at the end. And in particular I thought against Cox last weekend. Uh, for the last 15 minutes, they were out on their feet. Cox scored. Cox scored was a 1-7. 1-7, yeah. 1-7. And yeah. Mayo got no score in that period. So you just wonder. The, the question in my head is, did they peak for the league and, and are they a, a tiring team now? I well, that, know, that, actually, that actually, Pat, um, I, I suppose, there's also evidence of that. After they won the league, now I know they were thrown into the college championships the, the week, week after. Yeah. There, but they got beat. You know, first day out, and it's the Connacht Championship. I don't care what you know, and they they just didn't look on it. You know, you know, you you talk about Mayo and like like that day down in Killarney, 
they were absolutely devastating. Now, the word from Kerry afterwards that Kerry were after heavy blocker training and that uh, and that they weren't mentally tuned in for the game. And that probably explains uh, explains something in the sense that now the heavy blocks of training are over. Now, I looked at their Kerry last week and forget about their scoring problems, but I looked at their work rate and their tacking and turnovers, particularly in the middle third. And what that showed to me was a team that's flying fit, but mentally, mentally sharp. But Mayo... But, but, but then, Pat, but, that comes back to the point, right? I mean, three teams to come out of the group it's it, it's a farce, really. To be honest, I with don't you. I don't agree with that. You know what, Tomas? Because I look at what every player wants more matches. We talked about it last week. They want more matches, uh, a better matches to training ratio. They're now getting that. Yes, it's not right, but I mean, you look at every competition in world sport, every competition, and it. it it's that type of format where there's loads of games and at the end of a savage amount of games, there's only a couple of teams. I look at the American sport, which is the, which is the, you look at uh, basketball and American football is even worse, but you take basketball. Uh, there's 30 teams in, in, in the NBA, 16 of the 30 teams qualify. And when it goes to the bottom 16, uh, it's in the four rounds. It's a best of seven games. So it's loads and loads of games. So I don't see a problem with, with loads and loads of matches. I don't see a problem because I think the GA got it right. The one thing about this format, I know to get rid of one team, but at the end of the day, they said, we didn't want dead rubbers. And like I said last week, they had eight matches and seven of them weren't dead rubbers. So look, uh, we can argue about format later on, but God, we can argue about that. We can argue about that later on, Pat, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, but just finally, yeah. just finally getting on to Galway Mayor, you know, and, and I just want to two things like Galway Mayor is on next Sunday. Uh, last year, the GA made a commitment that the Talton Cup would get profile, that the Talton Cup semifinals would be on its own on a Sunday, get TV coverage, etc., etc. And now after one year, next Sunday, that's, that plan has been scuffled. So now, as Mayo or as Meat will be playing Antrim, so the big football matches on the other channel in RT, Galway and Mayo, and that's wrong. I think that's wrong. But of course, that's 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 the problem when you put too many matches into a short space of time. And I, and oh, I you're so, you're some you're some and you know, man, right? And you're, I, on, I say, you know, I just, you're on about yeah. this and that. Oh my God! But maybe I'm right. Galway, you Galway and Mayo have done as well, yeah. So. No, 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 no. I mean, this is a, it's going to be a cracking game. Oh, geez, it's going to be a full house in Salt Hill. It's going to be a cracking game. It's going to be a toss-up. I slightly, I have a slight fancy for Mayo for the very simple reason with injury concerns and Damien Comer and now Sean Kelly. If those two boys are out, advantage Mayo. Speaking, speaking of a full house, uh, which undoubtedly there's going to be in Salt Hill for that Galway-Mayo match, uh, looking back to... The Galway Armagh game. Going into that game, there were calls from both county boards to have that game moved to Croke Park because Carrick and Shannon, where it was played, has only a capacity of nine thousand and so forth. In actual fact, there was slightly less than seven thousand at the game. So, are, are we overestimating crowds? And seven thousand, by the way, was a good crowd. But having said that, yeah, Michael, you know, I, Mike, Michael, I, I think, I think, look, and Pat, just in terms of that, right? You now have situation, and Pat, you can agree with me or not agree with me. You nearly have three series in the football the way it's gone. You have your provincial championships. You now have a round robin, and now you have the the, the, the quarterfinals and semifinals of, of an, uh, and finals of an All Ireland football series, right? So the cost to that, and like we mentioned this, Mike, I think on Michael yes. on the on, that, on the first series about the compactness of the game, the game's yeah. on every week. Guys have to put their hands in their pocket every week, and you have to travel 
And it, and the cost of this is becoming excessive. And you want to bring kids and you want to bring family members. There's no chance. You don't have a two or three week break to actually accumulate another few quid. It has to go into your pocket every week. And it's you, you are spot on, Tomas. And can I just say that, you know, I spoke to uh, at Breffley, I was in Breffley Park last Sunday, and I spoke to a couple of members of the Catholic County Board, and they were expressing the very same sentiments as you. Having, he said, the Cavan football team had played 16 competitive matches in 22 weeks. And then he, that's savage. I mean, and they probably played a few challenge games as well. Uh, and the second thing he said, he, they played down in, in Breffley. When they played in the league, there was almost 9,000 for the league match between Cavan and Down. Last Saturday night, there was a, um, just half that crowd. And the point he was trying to make is, for the league game, it was €10 Euro to get in. For the, 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 the Talton Cup quarterfinal last week, it was €25. Euro. And you're spot on, Tomas. The cost of travelling to games, the amount of games, like from a player's point of view, and from a competition point of view, the competitions, the games, the big games, aren't getting the chance to breed, aren't getting the publicity and profile they deserve. That's number one. Number two, the players are getting no rest. It's one, it's bang, match after match after match after match. And the supporters, financially, I, like Sligo last week, I saw they had, they had poor support. But it's, they had been following the under-20s to all Ireland final. They had nine matches or ten matches in this year's chapter. It's an expensive risk. And, you know, I was just thinking, I drove to, from here to... Uh, it, it was five hours of a drive. Uh, it was 120 euro on diesel, and we passed through. You, I couldn't. It must be the long. Are you on 70 cent a mile path? So five <laughs> tons. Are you on how 70 cent a mile with this no, pass? How, how many journeys would you drive from A to B in Ireland that you actually have to go through five tolls to get to your destination? So <laughs> it, it, I'm not complaining. I, I, I love it. But from a family, we're in a cost of living crisis in this country. And for families, a very simple solution, lads. A very simple solution. When it comes to Sam Maguire, when it comes to Talton Cup, uh, for, for the, particularly for the round robins or whatever like that, there should be an attractive price structure put in place that you get three matches for 50 euro or something like that. I tell you what, Pat, you, you obviously haven't driven too much in France or Italy if you're talking yeah. about tolls. You barely get the car in the third gear by the time you hit the next hole. But anyway, that's a different, that's a different <laughs> kettle of fish. Um, let's go back. Let's go back to talking about football. We've talked about Galway and, and Mayo. That's going to be, the, I suppose, uh, the biggie of the weekend. But l let's look at the other three matches, Pat. Donegal and Tyrone. Now, that's going to be keen. Yeah, because because Donegal last, last week against Manon, they found their mojo. What Donegal always had. What Donegal always had, always have. They have physicality, they have athleticism, and they have fellas who can score points. And they had a strong running game. They were very, very, very impressive. I think the, their shooting stats last week against Manon, Michael, 81%. Amazing. So uh, at home in Badley Buffet, haha, like two weeks mm. ago, this Donegal team were being ridiculed, were being laughed off, disarray. Uh, but what happens? It's good in a way when the managers resign and when there is a bit of turmoil. That that can have a, a a positive effect where players get so do know it's backs to the wall. Players pull together and they're fighting, and it's us against the world. And you can see that they've got a reaction. Tyrone, I, I've been I was disappointed with Tyrone last week. Uh, very dependent on on the two Canavans, just not like they were looking one sh one kick away from being knocked out of the championship. Like uh, three weeks ago, you'd have Tyrone as. All Ireland contenders at the moment, you'd be slightly saying, hmm, 
I think maybe Donegal, after all their relegations and after all their misfortune, that Donegal could could pull a surprise in Ballybuffet. Okay, that'll be that'll be another interesting one. Uh, let's talk about Cork and Roscommon because the last couple of years, Pat and Thomas, we've been talking about Cork football and saying, "Ah, Jeepers, what's wrong there?" And it seems to be falling backwards. It seems to be getting Pat a bit of traction again. Uh, there's there's several reasons for that. First of all, the appointment of John Cleary as manager. I mean, John Cleary is a great guy. Comes from passionate, traditional footballing stronghold, Castlehaven. Uh, he bleeds, he lives and dies cock football. So John, he should have been appointed many, many years ago. Anyway, he's the manager. But he's shrewd enough that for the first time, really, that they've brought in, well, second time, I suppose, Keane O'Neill, but he was living in Cork. But bringing in Kevin Walsh was an unbelievable masterstroke because what Kevin Walsh has brought in a structure, he's brought in a defensive system, and Cork are now a very hard team to play against. But what I see about Cork now, uh, they're powerful athletes, uh, a great running game, but what I see is in Cork in the past were flaky. Uh, they lack leadership on the field, they lack character. But I saw against against Lout, they looked like they were going out to the championship and they rallied in the last quarter. Against Kerry, they looked like they were going to be humiliated after 20 minutes. They were unlucky not to have won. And the character last week, to come back from six points down to beat Mayo, uh, this is a different this is a different cock team, a well-organised cock team of the road. And, and a lot of these guys, and I don't want oh, to man. Oh, man. I, I, I'm not in the in the business of soft soaping, but a lot of wow. these lads, a, a lot of these lads have had success at at under seventeen, at under twenty level, and uh, when you bring those lads in, it it brings confidence and it brings belief. So look, uh, no, it, it, no, it barely goes back, Michael, to the day when Mick O'Dwyer was involved, and I listened to Jack O'Connor prior to the Kerry match, and I'm listening to Spanana. We're probably back to the second best team in Ireland, Cork football. You know, they lost telling us that over the years to Kerry boys, and then they'd come and bait us out the gate. Yeah, it was it was impressive, Pat. It, it, it was very impressive, and right, and and tomorrow's. Now is the time, like you know, uh, from cock footballing. Like when you cock footballing supporters is a very hardcore small small. When you go to away matches, you could fit them in a bus. But yes. now is now is now right. Forget about uh, like I see the the lads and the. Uh, I was out drinking last night, and uh, there was two or three cockfellas that live around the area. For, like they'd ignore me for the last two years but when they get any bit of success Jesus they were making a beeline and they wanted to talk about cock football and and that's you know we t it tend to get carried away with a success every now and again but right the proof of the pudding is next Saturday playing in Parky Keys magnificent stadium magnificent pitch there should be if cock supporters are really true cock supporters there should be 15,000 plus to 20,000 in Parky Keys uh, next next Saturday Will Cork beat Ross Common Yeah they will I think they will. I just think they're, they're like, do you know Russ Common? I saw, this is the, the gasp after about it. I saw Russ Common playing against Mayo, uh, against Dublin. They were very impressive. Playing, their game management was very good. Possession football. I saw them in the last 10 minutes against Sligo. Their attacking play was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> in the last two weeks, and I was one of them as well, that they sat there, we built them up. And I, 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 the way I saw them play against Kildare, they looked like a team that had believed all the hype about them. So just, Cork come, momentum is a huge factor in determining, and Cork have that momentum, and Cork have that confidence, and I think Cork might cheat it. And the last game in that uh, preliminary quarterfinal set up for the weekend is Kildare on Monaghan. Now, are we are we expecting anything, Pat, from that game? What do you expect? 
Well, I'll tell you this. I've, I remember for years someone said, would you ever like to manage a county outside of Kerry? What team has potential that hasn't been delivered? And I used to always look at Kildare. And I saw them playing in the flesh against against Sligo. Uh, and, 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 and it just confirmed what I've always thought about them. In terms of physicality, in terms of physique, uh, in terms of athleticism, there's probably, I don't think there's a county team in Ireland that could rival, maybe Donegal to lesson, it could rival Kildare. They have all the raw materials. They have excellent forwards, yet they've never delivered. And last week, they delivered. Uh, and they were like they were very, very impressive. Their kicking game was good. They made use of the mark. Uh, I remember at one stage, they were down to 13 men. Uh, there's a bit of confidence there. There is huge potential there. So when you have Feely, when you have Flynn, when you have Ben McCormick, uh, when you have Highland, these are great scorers. Now, Manon, were, Manon, on the other hand, were a big... Look, they've done very well, Manon. They stayed in the league and they, uh, they had a great performance, a couple of great performances. But I, they were very poor. I thought they were very poor last week uh, against uh, Donegal. I thought they played second fiddle all through. And Kildare, with that athleticism, with that powerful running, uh, I think Kildare could, could, could hang in there. It's Michael. It's just a brilliant, brilliant weekend in store for Gaelic football. It's a, it's a bumper weekend, Ed. And we have two all Ireland minor semi-finals as well. Carry on, Mullen. Please don't forget the hurling. Jesus, I'm not going to forget the hurling. We're going to talk hurling in two seconds. But just to wrap up that on that on that quarterfinal draw, looking at the looking at the four fixtures, I have to say. It's very difficult to pick winners out of Absolutely. Sunday anyway. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, that's great. You know, okay, let's, let's see that, uh, that uh, Tomas is getting fed up about the football talk. Let's talk Harling. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not getting fed up. It's fairly comprehensive there, by class. Very. <laughs> we have, we have I know, we don't, Harling. we don't have, we don't have three hours. Let me ask you the question. What we do have is two Harling quarterfin- uh, quarterfinals on Saturday, of course, this is Clare and Dublin, and this is Galway and Tipperary. The, those, both of those matches are in the Gaelic grounds in Limerick. Uh, it's going to be a busy weekend, obviously, for GEA supporters in Galway, Tomas, because the footballers are playing and the hurlers are playing, but uh, hurling folk, I suppose, being from a different side of the county, this is a biggie, Galway and Tip. It's 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 a huge game, Michael, and um, look, yeah, I, isn't it great if you're from Galway that you have you Saturday and Sunday to go and follow your your, your teams, and uh, it's absolutely brilliant, brilliant to see. And they should be they're, they're probably in Galway a lot more of this on a on a regular basis because they have the talent. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, you're looking at this game, yeah. And look, I suppose maybe the venue first. People were saying, "Are our quarterfinals below and the Gaelic Crowns of Limerick?" I think it's a fantastic venue. It's, pro- it's proven that. I must have found there what we saw. Um, Dublin might say themselves, "We have to travel an awful long way down to." Uh, What's like a home for home for Claire jumping over the fence uh, or jumping over the ditch, and they're, and they're in the Gaelic grounds. And um, but they're going to be two fantastic games. Um, forget about last weekend. Yeah, we had to go through the process there, but um, I'm really looking forward to these. I'm really looking forward to where Galway are at. Uh, we saw the good, the bad, the ugly with with Galway the last day against Kilkenny. Some passages outstanding. Um, some of it very, very poor defensively. And then the last passage of play was pretty ugly because they should have cleared the lines. They should have got that ball out and they could be sitting, waiting at all Ireland semi-final stage. But it's not to, it's not to be. they got to go and outperform. And you look at Tipperary last weekend, 7.38, some some scoring. And uh, people might say, oh, it, it was damn square, but dead rubber in terms of the game was over very, very quickly. Um, 
but you can only beat what's in front of you. And there was an energy about them. There was a hunger about them. There was a bit of the hurling level that you'd always see from Tipperary was at its highest. Um, three goals from Mark Keogh outside at full forward. Some very, very good quality performances throughout the field. So, um, and you know, Michael, you've seen her over the years when we've been on Sunday game and stuff like that as well. And like Galway Tipperary bring the best out of each other. And uh, we're going to see that in the, in the Gator Grounds on Sunday as well. Do you think, Tomás, that there's a bit of psychological advantage to Galway in this from the point of view that they must be frustrated with the fact that they should have won that Leinster title and let it drop out of their hands in the last minute of the game, if you like, whereas Tip had a facile win over Offaly. Now, as you said, you can only you can only beat what's in front of you, but it's it's not it wasn't let's say top class preparation for a fixture of this nature. Yeah, but the one thing that worried me about Michael, uh, I had said previously on our podcast, I want to see the best out of Galway. I want to see where they're at. I want to see a hunger, desire to say they want to go on and win in Ireland. Ireland. Um, they had it with a pretty cosy uh, up to then in the Leinster Championship. We were almost the curling uh, up to then, and then we had a great Leinster final. But but they fell short, and that kind of worries me in terms of uh, where they're at, in terms of the goals they conceded were very, very soft. You look at Tipperary, one of the best teams out there to get goals. Any half chance, they will go for goal, a bit like Kenny in, in that Leinster final as well. So defensively, they've got to be better. Um, up front, very much uh, Conor Whelan was the star performer. He was the go-to man. They need to get all the performances from other players up front as well. This 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 is at a different level now. This is this this is this is uh, this is huge and. Yeah, I'm go- you'd expect to see a reaction from Galway, but I think Tipperary are going to get- hold the edge here. I think um, Liam Cal has brought something different to them, and um, he's brought a hunger to them. He's brought a never-say-die attitude. And throughout the campaign in, in Munster, they were kind of deeming themselves a bit unlucky, blown party, we fight by and sub, they felt they should have won the match, and they might have gone down a different route as well. But it's going to be a fantastic contest. Let's talk about the, the first uh, quarterfinal down the Gaelic grounds at the weekend. This, of course, is Clare and Dublin. Now, I suppose most people looking at the fixture would say Ashley should win that, which they, they probably will. But let's talk about Clare because they had a great monster final. Um, okay, fine. Came up a little bit short, but now they're facing a team that they should beat, which means, really, Clare are going to progress and be very much in the argument here at the end of the championship. Yeah, look, Clare have kind of been maybe the choice of a good few punters all over the country this year in terms of, of getting to an All-Ireland final and, and, maybe, and maybe even uh, winning that. Um, I think one thing that worried me about Clare the last day in that Munster final is how they were exposed in the full back line with Aaron Galan from Limerick being the star man and the gap that they left between the half back line and the full back line. That concerned me because. Um, um, it was something that I thought they would address because everybody knows Clare Limerick. Um, that's what they want to do. They want to get two man full forward line. They want open space, and um, Clare were exposed that way. And their best man to date for me was John Conlon. So I just hope defensively they can shore things up. Uh, John Conlon will go back and sit in the pocket. Uh, doesn't follow, follow his man out to the middle of the field. And I'm sure uh, Michal Dunhill would have, from a Dublin perspective, would have looked at this. And say, yeah, this this is an area that we can attack. We can keep it. We can keep it as open as possible. And and we've hit that clear full back line as well, right? You know. So um, 
you, but you'd expect there. I mean, look what they've been through already this year. Uh, they're looking at a seasoned team in Munster. They look very, very competitive. Um, I think um, Brian Lawn. There, there's something about him and his managerial status. He's not liking the limelight. He's not making big comments or doing massive interviews afterwards. It's very, very much low-key, and uh, I think that's the best way going into this. And there will be raging hot favours to get over this one. <laughs> that could suit Dublin because um, coming away from Crow Park or coming out of Parnell Park or coming down the country, yeah, all the expectations are clear. And uh, um, if they're not up for it, there's a huge opportunity for Dublin there. Michal Dunhu that you mentioned there, uh, Dublin manager, of course, All-Ireland winning manager with Galway back uh, a few years ago. A, a good man. He'll do his best, obviously, with that panel and with that team. So how does he approach this? Is it going to be a case to Moss of, let's hang in there for as long as we can? Or should they have a bolder plan than that? Well, yes, I think that that is, that is key, Michael. It's a bit like, uh, I, I'd say, Cork football last weekend against Mayo. Stay in the game, stay in the game until it opens up and uh, put the pressure on Clare to deliver. Um, obviously, you, you you have the likes of Tony Kelly, will go man marking Tony Kelly, follow him. You cannot allow him, give him the freedom of the park because you know what will happen. He will punish you. So I think Michal Dunho will be looking. Yeah, I've got to get a player who has, uh, obviously, the mental capacity to, to market Tony Kelly, but also has the legs because um, they're... they're you got to be at the run in the modern game. You got to be at the track, guys. You got to be at the track, the runs. And if you don't, uh, Tony Kelly's going to punish you big time there. So I think that has been the key. Um, and then I would think, uh, in terms of his forward line, looking at exposing Claire and trying to get a get a, get the better of, of of John Cannon at centre back, and um, and and put the pressure on put the pressure on Claire and ask questions of Claire and. Uh, Maybe do that very, very early as well in the game because, um, but, you know, I mean, there's nothing better than going into a backyard and you're underdogs and you get a, you, you get a fine 10, 15 minute start and you get a smell of victory. And sometimes, you know, we've seen in Dublin in the past when they get to positions like that, they can push on. Um, what they won't want is to see themselves out of the game after 10 or 15 minutes because sure. um, they will push on at that stage. And um, look. We have two great games to look forward to. I'm sure there's going to be massive, massive crowds in the Gaelic Crowns, and uh, they're two games I really look forward to seeing as well. That's, we have so much to look forward to at the weekend between yeah. the football and the hurling. It's it's really uh, it's going to be enjoyable. I've no doubt about that. The only worry that I have, there's so much good stuff to look at over the weekend. I don't even know when I'm going to get to cut the grass uh, because it certainly won't be at the weekend. And, and but, the football, well, you did cut your hair, Michael, so the grass is next, yeah? No, yeah, well, I, you can cut your hair indoors, but you can't cut the, the grass indoors. Uh, but just looking out uh, at the gardens here, out of the back at the moment, uh, it's piddling rain, and I hear thunder rumbling in the background, so I think I'll I'll postpone that for another couple of days anyway. Michael, a, a man of your wealth should, should be able to afford somebody, a gardener. I'll have yeah. the remote control inside the window and just press it and let the lawnmower off, Michael, you know? <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend lads good to talk all right but on that thought go away will you have a great weekend the game on sunday podcast just to remind you it's for your month you get all of this cracked with the lads for very little money uh thank you for joining us we we'll talk to you again next week and enjoy all the action for the weekend